maybe you're a little shocked to hear the content of what we're going to be talking about over the next two weeks, love, sex, and the Bible. But what we're actually going to be doing is taking a look at what God has to say about things like passion and commitment within the context of marriage. We're going to be studying through the book of Song of Solomon, which I don't know about you, but I've never heard taught from the platform. I pray this series will be a blessing to you and your marriage. sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. The Hearing Jesus podcast is so excited to partner with Compassion International. We believe in Compassion's mission to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. Sponsors, when they sponsor a child, have the opportunity to see firsthand the impact that you're making through letters and updates that you receive from your sponsored child. It's not just changing the lives of children, it's changing entire families, whole communities, always through the local church and always in Jesus' name. When you choose to sponsor a child, you enter access to quality education, medical checkups, healthy food, clean water, and most importantly, the love of Jesus. Delivered through a church in their community because of a generous, caring sponsor like you. And you can speak life, love, and hope to your sponsored child through personal letters that you'll exchange. I hope you'll join me in sponsoring a child through compassion today. All you have to do is pull out your phone and text Hearing Jesus to 83393. You'll get a text back with a picture of a child who is waiting for a sponsor and a link to sponsor that child. You can also go to compassion.com forward slash hearing Jesus to choose a boy or girl to sponsor. When you sponsor, we'll also send you a copy of She Hears Learning to listen to Jesus, my book, as a token of our thanks for investing in the life of a child. Thank you for joining me and sponsoring a child through compassion today. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today, I'm so excited. We're starting a new podcast series, kind of going along with our month of love because it's February and we're actually going to be studying the book of the Bible called Song of Solomon or Song of Songs. And we started the month out, this month of love traditionally is how we look at February and we talked about the love languages of God. And in the Love Languages of God series, we also talked about our love languages languages within our human relationships. And I wanted to do that series first because I think it's really a good idea for us to have a good understanding of how to have emotionally healthy human relationships before we dive into Song of Solomon. In Song of Songs, it is essentially a love story. Now, I don't know about you, but I have never sat under a teaching on Song of Solomon in my church, in a Bible study, anywhere. I've never heard it preached or taught. It was always one of those books that you go home and you read it after you're married by yourself when you're alone, because it does include some impassioned pleas between two lovers. But I think that it is really important for us to have a good concept of what God's idea or God's version of this marriage relationship should look like. And so we're going to tackle it. 
that might make some of you uncomfortable. We're going to be calling this series, I think, Love, God, and Sex in the Bible or something along those lines because I think it's really important because we are bombarded, bombarded with messages about sex from the world. But yet, as followers of Jesus, we should be looking to God's truth to have a better understanding of what this looks like in our own lives. And so if you are not comfortable with the content of this book of the Bible, or if you want to just read it privately, that is absolutely okay. There are 500 other episodes that you could listen to of the Hearing Jesus podcast. But I would encourage you not to shy away from it. I would encourage you to lean into it because there's so much value. So when we talk about the Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, depending on what version of the Bible you're reading, it actually means a song for or about Solomon. Song of Songs means the greatest of songs. It's similar to how we hear God of Gods or Lord of Lords or King of Kings in the Bible. And so the Hebrew people saw it as the greatest wedding song ever written. It's essentially a series of songs, but it's referred to together and it should be listened to or read to all together within the context of each other. In the very beginning of this book, we see that the author is pointed to being King Solomon. He's referred to seven times, and there's other references of the king. And Solomon, throughout his life, was a songwriter. In fact, he composed over a thousand songs. So many originally believe that this book was a series of songs between Solomon and his wife. And further evidence of that is the fact that there is a lot of references to animals, 15 species of animals, actually, 21 species of plants. And both of those were subjects that Solomon had done extensive studies on. And he mentions those in the other songs that he wrote as well. The geography of the book of Song of Solomon mentions places all over Israel. And so that has this suggestion that it was written before Israel was divided into the northern and the southern kingdoms. So after Solomon's reign, they were divided. And you can read more about that in 1 Kings and 2 Chronicles. And so you may be thinking, kind of like I was when I first started studying Song of Solomon, wasn't Solomon the guy with 700 wives and 300 concubines? Yes, Yes, he was. Many scholars believe that this series of songs was actually about the Shulamite maiden who was his first wife before he even became king. She was his first love and he was emotionally committed to her. Now, there's a lot of reasons why there was multiple wives in the life of Solomon. And in fact, he was not obedient with marrying a lot of those foreign wives. He married a lot of those women because of political alliances and in that time frame and in that culture that was an accepted behavior. I want to just point out though that one of the challenges when we are looking at people in scripture is that we don't want to emulate the behavior of the person. We want to emulate the behavior of God. It's God's character and God's nature that we see revealed in the pages of scripture and how he uses imperfect people to act out his plan. And the encouragement, I think, with all of that, whether it is Solomon or maybe even his father, David, his father, David was a great king of Israel. He had some character flaws. Solomon was a great king of Israel. He had some character flaws. 
And just because Solomon messed up later in his life doesn't mean that we discredit what he wrote. It doesn't mean we discredit everything that he did. I think back over my own life where there have been times that God has used me in a powerful way. And then after that, I've sinned or I messed up or I dropped the ball or insert error here. And I'm so thankful that God doesn't go back and undo all the good that I did or undo the testimony in my life or in the life of the people that I was ministering to because I messed up. The whole point of the Bible is that we need Jesus. The whole point is we can't do it on our own. The whole point is that despite our flaws, we have a God that continues to use us and is so faithful to us. So this writing of these songs would have been read during the celebration of Passover as part of the liturgy of the Hebrew people. And it was love poetry, which it's really unique within the Bible. We don't see that anywhere else. We do see a little bit of romantic relationships within the Bible, but we don't actually see love poetry. And so when we read Song of Solomon, we want to remember that it's poetry. Now, Again, I say this all the time. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that I say that while the Bible was written for us, it was not originally written to us. It was written to an ancient people group that lived a very long time ago. A lot of their imagery is lost on us. And you also have to look at the model of ancient poetry because we need to look at this and read it through the interpretation of how ancient hearts and ancient people groups would express their love in Eastern love songs, not through the eyes of modern love poetry. So it's going to feel a little bit different. It's going to sound a little bit different. We could also interpret it through the lens of other ancient people groups. And we also have to look at it through the lens of some prophetic words because we look at different passages of scripture with the idea of the overarching theme of scripture. This is part of the wisdom literature. It has a little bit of apocalyptic passages within it. And so those kinds of passages are more closely related to the wisdom literature, which is what Song of Solomon is considered. And so it's interesting the way that it's written. Now, if you have read some of the other wisdom literature, you'll know that when you're reading about wisdom, say it's Proverbs, wisdom itself is personified and it is described as a gift from God. But you will hear wisdom referred to as she or her. Wisdom does this or wisdom does that. So in a similar way, love within the context of Song of Solomon's is personified. And it's wisdom's description of this sexual relationship within the marriage relationship, a committed marriage relationship. Hey friends, are you loving the deep conversations, the biblical insight, and the spiritual growth content that I share on the Hearing Jesus podcast? Well, I've got some fantastic news for you. Starting at just $5 a month, you can become a member of our Patreon community and take your Hearing Jesus experience to a whole new level. When you join Patreon, you gain access to ad-free episodes, daily journaling prompts and worksheets, monthly bonus content, personalized Q&A sessions with me, giveaways, and more. As a Patreon supporter, you're not just a listener, you're a valued member of my inner circle. But that's not all. Our Patreon community is a place where you can connect with like-minded people who share your passion for spiritual growth, engage in meaningful discussions, share your thoughts, and be part of something that's truly special. Plus, we've got some awesome perks lined up for our Patreon supporters 
from shout outs on the podcast to exclusive merch and more. So if you're ready to dive deeper into the journey of hearing Jesus, head on over to patreon.com forward slash hearing Jesus. Your support makes a real difference, allowing us to continue bringing you inspiring content week after week. Also, a portion of any income from Patreon goes to support children through our partnership with Compassion International. Again, head to patreon.com forward slash hearing Jesus. Thank you for being a vital part of the Hearing Jesus community. Community. Together, let's learn to live out our faith in our everyday life. And so what we're going to see is a series of short songs that are sung by a male singer and, of course, the female singer, and then also a female chorus called the Daughters of Jerusalem. And I will go ahead and give you a heads up when that happens to help you kind of keep track of who is speaking at each time. And it describes the love of a man and a woman in these short episodes. It's very lyrical. And it's poetry that when it's read all together, it describes one of life's major events, love and marriage. And we want to point out too, that the goal here is mature love. This is not prostitution. This is not infatuation. This is not puppy love. This is an idea of sexual love as part of married love. And it's describing the marriage and this idea of first coming together of a man and a woman in marriage. The other thing I want to mention is the way that ancient writers would write poetry. You know, when you and I sit down to read poetry, whether it's online or a book of poetry, we tend to read it, you know, we read left to right, we read front to back, we have this idea of how something's to be written. The way that the ancient writers wrote poetry was more like a circle. So if you think of almost like a bullseye and there's concentric circles inside of each other, the center circle would be this idea of sexual relationship within a marriage relationship. And then the outlying circles would be these various poems that we're going to read. So they're not necessarily chronological. They're not necessarily before the marriage, then after the marriage. Some of them are, but even in the stanzas, what you'll see is sometimes it bounces back and forth between when they're engaged and when they're actually married. And sometimes we'll pick up on that naturally because of the way it's written and sometimes we won't. So I want you to kind of think of this bullseye and this area of married love as the centerpiece that's holding that all together. Now, if you are somebody that has heard this preached or taught in church, one of the things that you may have heard it taught as was an allegory of the love relationship between God and Israel or between Christ and the church. Now, I want to say that that's not what most scholars believe. And in fact, there are some things that are problematic with that thinking, which we'll get into as part of this series. And also, this was debated on whether or not it even belonged in the canon of scripture because the content is kind of provocative. However, during that process, there was a rabbi that fought for this book to be included because he looked at it through the concept of holiness. And he was quoted as saying that of all the holy books in the Bible, the Song of Solomon is the holy of holies. That's the comparison he made. And it remained in the Jewish canon and it remains in the Christian canon. So if it's in there, it means that it's important for us to understand it and to understand why it's in there. 
In ancient Israel, we see every aspect of humanity expressed through words. We see anguish. We see sorrow. We see suffering. We see friendship. We see wisdom. There's all these different aspects of our humanity. The Song of Songs is that expression of love in words, and it describes one of God's most precious gifts. It is God's intention that love, which has been perverted both in the ancient world and in today's culture, it's God's intention that love is a normal part of married life and it's good. The original intent of this book was to show a faithful Hebrew how to have a godly, healthy, loving marriage relationship that was based in covenant. Marriage and the love within marriage includes sex. It's designed by God, and it's a natural expression that we shouldn't shy away from as believers. As literature, again, I would say that this is poetry, but what we see expressed through this poetry is this picture of the experience of love, both as one who is loving someone and one who is being loved. So the purpose of all of this is being included within the scriptures so that humankind can know that God is the one who designed the marriage relationship and the physical intimacy within the marriage relationship to be a source of love and joy. It's one of God's greatest gifts for us. And you know, we see that God designed marriage to include the pleasure of a healthy sexual relationship all the way back starting in Genesis. And sexuality within marriage is part of God's design. It was only after the fall of Adam and Eve that it became perverted and twisted. And so this book is an example to us that a sexual relationship within our marriage relationship can be beautiful and life-giving and God-honoring when it is done within this idea of covenant marriage relationship. And you know, one of the things that I will probably remind you of often on this podcast and in this series particularly is that there's always an enemy's version that combats God's version. You'll find that a lot of times when you are offered two sides of the same coin, you will have God's version. And when we're talking about sex or physical intimacy within the marriage relationship, it's this beautiful picture of this relationship that is fulfilling and brings joy. The enemy's version of that is this perversion that brings chaos and heartache. And so we're going to see that dynamic talked about within this book. And also keep that in mind that sex is not a dirty word. In fact, sexual fulfillment is God's design for us, but it has to be done within the parameters of God's design for our relationships. And so Song of Solomon offers for us this model between the two extremes that we often see. The first side is that many people reject the commitment of marriage, the covenant of marriage, and they just try to enjoy sex and sexual lifestyles outside of marriage. And God has declared that practice, that behavior as unholy. In fact, it's offensive to him. It's the opposite of what he designed. And that is what many people in the world do. People that aren't believers and sadly, many people that are believers, they ha- they settle for this counterfeit version of what the enemy is offering them. And then the flip side of that is that other people go to the other extreme and they deny the goodness and the pleasure of this physical aspect of our relationship within marriage. And they view sex just as a means to have a child. That's what many traditionally within the church have done. And so 
what we see in the Song of Solomon is something in the middle. It's the true picture of the way that God designed us to live out our physical relationships with our spouse. The order of this book is not typical. It's lyrical. And so it's not going to flow in a way that is systematic or even logical, or like I said before, even chronological. So as you're thinking about that, and you're thinking about this big picture, we also want to think about Song of Solomon within the context of the meta narrative of scripture. Meta meaning big, narrative meaning story. What is the big storyline of scripture? And how does Song of Solomon fit within that storyline of scripture? So that can be kind of the backdrop to how you're listening to this podcast series as you read Song of Solomon. Now, it is divided up into eight chapters for us, but it's actually six songs or poems, and it's divided up just to make it easier to reference. And so as we go through, I'll point some of that out as well. And so it talks about the courtship and then the married love of Solomon and his wife. They are so in love that they find fulfillment in each other. And then when they are apart, they long for each other's presence. It's a beautiful picture of this beautiful love story. And it showcases for us the strength and the endurance and the fulfillment of godly love the way he designed it. Now, Song of Solomon is one of only two books in the Old Testament that do not mention God at all in the book, that along with Esther. But he's in there and we're going to see him throughout it. It's one of a small number of Old Testament books that is not referenced at all in the New Testament, technically, but we're going to see it in there. I'll point it out. The theme, however, is carried through the New Testament into the book of Hebrews, where it talks about keeping the marriage bed pure. Married love is pure to God, and we should feel free to enjoy it within this context of a marriage relationship. And so while this book does not represent Christ in the church, like many would say, it does reveal that committed love leaves no room for unfaithfulness. Covenant love leaves no room for unfaithfulness. And that's a theme that we see throughout both the Old Testament and the New Testament. So does this sound like your relationship? If not, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the Love Language series if you haven't finished that already. And that's why I did that series first. But then I would also encourage you to lean into this series with an open heart, with an open mind, listening for what God wants to download into your relationship. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this beautiful book of Song of Solomon and this beautiful picture of intimacy within a marriage relationship. God, we thank you for the promise of covenant. We thank you for your faithfulness that is displayed throughout the scriptures in your covenant with us. Lord, I thank you for the joy and the fulfillment that comes from a marriage relationship. And I pray, Lord, even now for those that might be listening that are feeling some sort of way about all of this, whether they are not currently in a fulfilling marriage relationship or whether they feel weird about listening to this or leaning into a book of the Bible that's about sex. God, I pray that you would help them to put those concerns aside and to help them listen for your voice, that your voice would be the one that would speak the loudest to them. God, I thank you for the gift of married love. I thank you for the gift of sexuality that you created to be within the design of marriage. And God, I thank you for the joy that can come from that place. Lord, I pray that as we start this series, that I would be clear with my words and I would point people back to you. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Hey friend, 
Every day when I finish the podcast, I feel so confident that this is one of the things that God created me for. And my journey is not unlike yours. I had a season in my life where I was doubting God's voice. I felt insecure about the things that I thought he might be telling me to do. If you are in that place, I want you to know that I offer spiritual direction and life coaching to help you get unstuck. Maybe you're struggling with something and need an objective biblical opinion. Maybe you need some help working through something that feels a little heavy. Maybe you feel called to write or start your own podcast, or maybe you just want to learn how to hear God's voice more clearly. For me, when God started to reveal his plan for my life, I found my purpose. And part of that purpose is to help you learn how to grow in your relationship with him. My heart is to help guide you in this area so you can step confidently into the calling God has for you. If you would like to start spiritual direction or life coaching, I'm opening up space for a couple more clients. You can head to shehears.org forward slash coaching to learn more. That's shehears.org forward slash coaching. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going. Keep going.